Good morning. We will uh, we'll read our scripture and then uh, I will tell you just a couple of things about uh, where you may have seen me before or maybe you haven't. Uh, first of all, we're going to turn to Psalm 147. I will admit that I feel more comfortable at the controls of a computer that says John Deere on it than I do with someone's computer that I have not touched. So um, we will uh, reference where we are, and I will read from his word. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant And praise is beautiful. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts down the wicked. He casts the wicked down to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises on the harp to our God, who covers the heavens with clouds, who prepares rain for the earth, who makes grass to grow on the mountains. He gives to the beast its food and to the young ravens that cry. He does not delight in the strength of the horse, He takes no pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He makes peace in your borders and fills you with the finest wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs very swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters the frost like ashes. He casts out his hail like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He causes his wind to blow and the waters to flow. He declares his word to Jacob his statutes, and his judgments to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any nation. And as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise the Lord. And then we will turn over to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 12. And here we will read, starting with verse 22 and read over to verse 34. The Lord is teaching his disciples here, and he has this discussion with them, starting with verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, 
Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor, <clears throat> nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn. God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you, even Satan in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Then, if God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not <clears throat> seek what you should eat, nor what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you have need of these. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure <coughs> to, give you, to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have, and give arms. Please yourself, <coughs> provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then uh, one verse over in... Um, the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. As we look at a new year coming, what a better desire than that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Some of you may have uh, recognized me in one of many different ways. Um, it was said that uh, for the last uh, approximately 11 years, I have pastored the Good Shepherd's Cove Church in Arundel. Uh, I resigned that position two years ago in order to uh, take a position on the advisory committee for our Child Evangelism Fellowship. And in that transition period, apparently the Lord wanted to give me a vacation. So I walked out onto the black ice one morning. It would be two years ago, come Tuesday, 
broke my leg. So I got an extended vacation, and when I came back to the world of the conscious, I discovered that COVID had overtaken us. And it seems like COVID has uh, made a big mark on all of our lives over the last uh, almost two years. But uh, we have. We've been in this area for 45 years over in the village of Newfield. Some of you may uh, have been over to our place if you recognize the name Hilltop Boilers. Uh, we've made maple syrup there. Uh, for the 45 years we've been there, and my boys have taken over and developed the store. Uh, so we've entertained a lot of people there on uh, Main Maple weekends. Uh, you may have seen our vehicles around uh, this area. We've done a lot of construction work over the last uh, 35 to 40 years as Bryant and Sons. Uh, so I've worn many different hats. Uh, part of the time I don't wear a hat. I try not to go out in the sun without a hat uh, for very obvious reasons. Um, I have enjoyed working with a number of churches uh, throughout York County and spoken in a number of them, repaired the steeples on a few of them. And uh, as uh, I've had the opportunity to have a little more time we did. We um, spent those 11 years uh, preaching in Arundel, right on Route 1. We learned that in the summer, when you heard motorcycles coming, everything just paused. Because I have a relatively strong voice, but even so, I'm no competition for sometimes 50, sometimes even close to 100 motorcycles roaring up. And we sat almost as close to the road as you do here. So, uh, very interesting times. Uh, the last two years, I spent a little bit of time at the, uh, the Hilltop Church in Cornish. Uh, John Libby has been a good friend of ours. In fact, he was an employee of ours for a while before he went to Hollis Center. And then, uh, over this past summer... Uh, I, it was discovered by the Limerick Church that I had some available time, and I've spent most of my Sundays with them over the last uh, six months or so, preaching anywhere from once a month to four out of five Sundays. So uh, it's been a good connection. Uh, my wife, Marion, uh, has been very much involved with Good News Clubs, and uh, we have a 30-year um, relationship with uh, Good News Clubs and the Child Evangelism Fellowship. Both of us are on that advisory board at this point in time. So that's the short version of where, where I have been and what we've been up to. As we approach this new year, we say goodbye to 2021, and I'm sure some are saying good riddance as well. So I would like to take more of a look forward today than a look backwards. And as we do that, uh, let's join for a moment of prayer. 
Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, Lord, we come as a needy people, we come as a sheep of your pasture, and Lord, we know that you are the good and perfect shepherd. We would pray for our time together here this morning, Lord, that I might be a channel, and only a channel, of blessing for your word this morning as we look into your word together. Lord, we trust your Holy Spirit to make these things alive to us, Lord, to seal them to our hearts, that we may walk a bit closer with you for having been here today. Lord, we thank you and seek your guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look back for just a moment, we, we see things like uh, over the past two weeks there's been an average of over a thousand plane flights canceled a day. Our economy and our lifestyle is in chaos. We look around us and we, we see constantly on the television just how many people have been tested positive with the COVID virus in the last day or the last two days or whatever. And as we consider that, we know that tough times are coming, tough times are here. When the Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he writes, In the last days, perilous times will come. And it's not just perilous times in the physical sense. We endure storms, we endure traffic delays, we endure sickness. But I see as well that our country is in a spiritual crisis as well. We see things on our news that we never expected would happen. And I realize I probably have a few more years than the average of you folks out here, but uh, we all can remember back to what we refer to as the good old days. We have changes, we have challenges to meet in this year coming. How do we react to that? What is our response? I would like to suggest to you that my response is going to be that in this coming year, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. We seem to feel so helpless as we consider all that's going on around us. But yet, our Lord died, and to prove his power over death, his resurrection proved that fact for us quickly. He was only in the grave three days. I think it takes a lifetime as a believer, to begin to comprehend 
just what it means when it makes that statement, the power of his resurrection. We must meet this coming year with with God's courage and not in a state of fear. When we stop and hear that word fear, we must be reminded that there are two ancient words that both of which are translated with our little word fear. One definition is to be afraid. And that's usually the one that we consider first. But also, when we speak of the fear of the Lord, it's a reverential trust in him and in his power to not only to save from sin, but to save us from ourselves day in and day out and draw us closer to him as we consider the fact that he has given to us eternal life. And eternal life is just that. It doesn't begin sometime in the future when I pass from this world to the next. My eternal life began the day that I said, that I said Lord, I am a sinner. Save me. And we have his power available to us. We know that from a number of different ways. And as we turn to Scripture this morning, I would like to remind us first of a fellow by the name of Joshua. Joshua spent all those years wandering in the wilderness under the direction of a man named Moses. But he was a good understudy. And as Moses neared the end of his life, Joshua was available and God was to use him in the conquest of the promised land. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, let's go back to the book that bears his name, Joshua in chapter 1. As a young person learning the books of the Bible, I had all sorts of difficulty. Memorizing is not my forte, and I, I struggle at it at times, but I managed to learned the first five books, and then I discovered it's easy to remember the next three. It's not biblically correct, but it helps us when we're learning things like that. If I could get to Deuteronomy, then it was Joshua judges Ruth. Now, Joshua didn't have anything to do with Ruth, other than in my mind, that's how I remember it. So, uh, there's two ways to find some of these uh, books, and one is to look in the index, and the other is to 
to think that uh, cleverness uh, will get you there. And it gets me a little ways. Okay, in the book of Joshua, how do we meet the new changes, the new challenges that we face in this upcoming year? Here in chapter 1, I'd like to read verses 5 and 6. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. This is God himself speaking. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. So we are not only told that we should do this. We are commanded to be strong and of good courage. And the only way that we can do this is by believing God that he will be with you, he will be with me, that he will be with us. I will not leave you nor forsake you. These are words that he spoke directly to Joshua. The Holy Spirit directed those words to be preserved in his word for you you and I and for our benefit. And then I'd like to go over to chapter 8 here in Joshua. We'll see how he's, uh, how he's doing. And when we get to chapter 8, we see that he's, in one sense, he's doing very well. In the other sense, he may be a bit discouraged right at this moment. Because uh, one, one battle is behind him. The walls of Jericho have fallen. But then they sent a small group up to take the little village of Ai. And we know that that was a terrible defeat. And they are recouping from that defeat when God again speaks to Joshua. And he says to him in chapter 8 and verse 1, now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given, <clears throat> I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Now Joshua had a decision to make. Do we stay here and protect what we have left? Or do I believe God and go on? We will not have many of those monumental type of decisions to make in this upcoming year. There will be lots more decisions that are small ones. But they still demand that we believe God. <clears throat> Joshua listened to God, and they went up to Ai, and the victory was theirs. I promise, this morning, I won't take you battle by battle by battle through Joshua's life in uh, the conquest of the Promised Land, but we will fast forward ahead to much later in his life and uh, go over to chapter 24 
and verse 15. Here we find a much older Joshua, and it won't be long, and he will uh, face the end of his life, and he has had a tremendous life of blessing in dealing with, with the conquest of the promised land, but not everything has gone just as it should. The people have sometimes forgotten just what the Lord has promised. And here, Joshua has gathered the tribes of Israel together, and he's brought the elders, and he is giving them what may be considered his farewell address. I'd like to pick it up in verse 15 of chapter 24. And he's speaking here and he says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Sounds like he's giving them an, an ultimatum here. You have a choice, but we know that no man can serve two masters. So he finishes that statement with a but. But, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will meet this coming year with assurance. We will meet this coming year with the Lord's courage by staying true to God. Joshua listened to those very early words which said, don't be afraid, be strong and of good courage. It was not his own strength. It was not his own courage. And I would hate to think that I were to face this coming year milling in my own strength as well. Now, there are many other examples in Scripture of other people that God said, fear not to. Abraham is a familiar name, and we have chapters in the book of Genesis about how Abram became Abraham. And he got discouraged as well. And early on, God mentioned to him again that he would be the father of many nations. And he said, Lord, how can I become the father of many nations when I don't even have one son? How is that going to be? The first thing that the Lord said in response to Abram was, Fear not. Don't be afraid. And then as the conversation continued, God said to Abram again, Your offspring will be like the stars in the heavens, stars in the skies. 
He says, why don't you go outside and count those stars? Abram went outside. He looked around in the night sky, and it became very obvious. Neither can I count that far, nor can I keep track of which stars I have counted and which stars I have not. But at that point, he believed God. And we're told that God counted that for righteousness. Abram became Abraham, and we know Abraham followed God. He believed God. Now, from there, we have some others that I'd just like to mention in passing. But with our Christmas season just concluded, and I'm assuming most everyone has their decorations down and packed away. And uh, But consider Mary. Here was a young girl, probably a teenager, but just, should we say, the average Jewish girl um, living there in Nazareth. And suddenly, there was an angel in the room with her. Angels usually come with a bright light. And she was terrified. What was the first thing that the angel said to Mary? And if you want to check on this, you can go to Luke one thirty and see, but I'll tell you. He said, fear not. The first thing that the angel said, and he had a lot of things to tell her that day, but the very first thing was, Mary, don't be afraid. Why was she not to be afraid? Because God was in control. God was in control then. God is in control today. She was engaged to a young man, a godly young man named Joseph. And how was he going to feel when he discovered that his betrothed was with child. God knew that that would be a tremendous challenge to him, so he sent an angel to, <clears throat> to Joseph in a dream. And the very first thing he said to, uh, to Joseph in that dream was, Fear not. Joseph had a lot of things to be afraid of. He was pondering an actual act of divorce because of what was taking place, because he didn't know all the facts. So God sent an angel to him, and the first thing the angel said was, fear not, don't be afraid. And then he explained the facts to Joseph, and Joseph complied with God's will. There was one more, fear not, that came with the, uh, the coming of the Christ child. And that was the very night of his birth. They had traveled to Bethlehem. He was born that night, and God wanted the whole wide world to know but there was no television news, there was no 
television, helicopters to drop in, anything that we rely upon today. You know, there was no first-person accounts. You wouldn't see it on the television the next day where somebody pulled out their smartphone and recorded all of this, and we have a baby's smiling face on the news. There was none of that. That's not what God wanted. He sent an angel to a group of shepherds that were out in the field tending sheep at night. And when the angel and his bright light appeared in that field, what was the first thing that he said to those shepherds? You guessed it. Don't be afraid. There's nothing here to be afraid of. Why? Because God has not only sent me, he sent a whole heavenly chorus to explain to you that the Christ child is born and that there is to be peace on earth, goodwill to men. So God has been very careful through the ages to explain to all of us who need that reassurance. Fear not. So how do we do likewise? How do we respond the way that Joshua responded, the way that Mary and Joseph responded, the way Abraham responded, how the shepherds responded? How do we do that? We do that by feeding on the right stuff. We're not talking about whether we eat french fries or whether we eat potato chips or what we take in for physical food. I'm talking about what we fill our minds with day in and day out. The words of the Lord Jesus spoken in, uh, in Matthew chapter 4 uh, give us the direction in which to go. So we'll go to, to Matthew chapter 4. And this is commonly referred to as the temptation. Jesus was about to begin his ministry and he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. And here is that, the first four verses of our account of that. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. See, Satan didn't realize or if he realized he wasn't thinking of it, that he is asking the one who created our entire universe to change what he had created. But Jesus answered and said to him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Satan's temptation 
was met by the word of God. Here's the Son of God speaking. And we know that the Son, as well as the Father and the Spirit, were all involved in the recording of his word. But here, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He was quoting scripture. The trivia question of the morning should be, without looking at the footnotes, what was he quoting? Was he quoting Deuteronomy? Yes, he was. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Genesis, Exodus. And we soon get to Deuteronomy. And I haven't gotten there yet. I'm now in Leviticus and I see numbers. So here comes Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I, I mentioned going from book to book, not because I think that you cannot find it without my help, but I remember when I had difficulty finding some of the books, and I was sitting listening to a speaker. It was nice when he gave me some hints. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And here we have a commentary on our country today. And I would love to take the time to read the entire chapter, but I I won't. I'd like to start reading with verse 8 and just read a a few verses here. See if this doesn't describe our land as well as the land uh, in which they lived. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. And he goes on and continues um, with what will take place. And we see this very thing taking place around us today. We have a country in which there is no want for bread. That statement taken literally, I'm sure some of us have been rather shocked in the last two years that some of our grocery shelves have been empty. And I'm not going to stand here this morning and tell you exactly why and how to fix that. But I think it is a bit of a wake-up call for us that in our country we have had a superabundance of anything that we could want. And that has caused a rather calloused attitude towards where that has come from. 
How many times in commercials, whether in print, on the radio, or on television, have you seen something flashy that you don't need, and, they, and then it's followed by the phrase, you deserve it. And humanism has crept into our country terribly. And our country is quickly forgetting the God upon whose word this country was founded and built. If we were to, to look again at verse 11, how does it begin? Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes. How do we forget God? By thinking that I deserve it all. I am a self-made man. I have myself to thank. And what I do is I put myself on that throne in my heart where God should be. We are told in many places in Scripture, do not worry. And as we conclude this morning, I'd like to go from uh, there in Deuteronomy over to the portion that we read, Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, we are told a number of things. And the key is right at the very beginning of Jesus' discussion here in verse 22. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. We could stop right there. Now obviously, there were people there that were worrying about what they would eat, about what they would wear, where they would live. And those are all necessities of life that God will provide for us. But we are told over in verse, <coughs> over in verses, uh, verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we look here and we see, do not worry. We also see, do not fear. But we also see, and up in verse 31 we see, but seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. It's not a matter of we should not want to eat. It's not a matter of we should not desire clothing or a dwelling place. But it's a matter of priorities. What should I seek first? In this same discussion recorded in the book of Matthew, it tells us very plainly, man cannot serve two masters. Not a one of us can serve both God and mammon. We are to seek 
the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. If we had more time, we would go look at Ephesians chapter 4 and how God has given each one of us particular gifts. And each one is to do our part. I was quite intrigued when I realized just what was being said there in verses 15 and 16 of Ephesians chapter 4. Each one shall do our part. If I've been given the gift of being an elbow, I shouldn't try to do much looking around. If I've been given the gift of an eye, I shouldn't try to bend like the elbow does. I like to pick on the elbow because the elbow is very important. Because without the elbow, I wouldn't be able to lift thought to my mouth. Without that elbow bending, I'd be in a world of hurt. So the elbow is not something beautiful to look at. It's not mentioned very often. Usually the only time you notice it is when you bang that bone in there that's aptly named the humorous bone, hit that funny bone. But it's very important. Whatever your position in the body of Christ, it's very important. And then from there, we might also go over to uh, Philippians chapter 4. And uh, I'll just, it won't take us just a minute. Let's go over to Philippians 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. We want peace for the upcoming year. We've been promised peace, that God will give us peace. Just before Jesus left this earth, he said, My peace I give to you, not as man gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. We are to live a life of peace. We have the tools which we need in order to live that life of peace. And that is why my attention was turned back to Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. This Christian life is a lifelong learning experience to be drawn closer and closer to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we will learn just what it means to have available to us the power of his resurrection. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to look into your word, Lord, to see the encouragement you have for us as we face a new year. And Lord, we would ask now your very special blessing upon each one that has taken the time this morning to be here and to be attentive to your word. 
Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.